0: Welcome to Inner Guidance Daily, a place where you can have daily inspiration, meditations, and conversations to help you connect to your own inner guidance. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Lauren Lee. I'm a meditation guide and the founder of Inner Rebel Company. I'm helping you connect to your own inner guidance. Come check out the show. Welcome to Inner Guidance Daily. I'm so glad you guys are here. This is a really important episode. I want you to know that you are a goddamn superhero. I know that sounds crazy, right? Like why would I be telling that to you right now and why would I be telling it to you in that way? But listen, truthfully, you are an actual superhero and your superpowers are your emotions. For instance, you can bring your whole world to a full stop by using your depression. Your anger is going to create sacred boundaries around you and letting people know, hey, this is my boundary. Sadness helps you to cleanse, to clear, to release for something new to take place. And you can start to plan for your future by using your anxiety and so on. Your emotions are truly here to help you. They are guiding healing forces. Join me and award-winning author, Carla McLaren, as we discuss the superpowers you hold when you embrace the wisdom of your emotions. At the end of this episode, you will truly understand why I call Carla the Beyonce of emotional intelligence. And an added bonus, you will be able to discover your own superhero, superstar abilities. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. Come check it out. Welcome to Inner Guidance Daily. I'm so glad you guys are joining this show. I was telling Carla before, I have zero ability to contain my excitement, um, but I'm so excited to welcome you to Inner Guidance Daily. Welcome, Carla McLaren.
1: Thank you so much, Lauren. I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm so I'm so happy you're here. Now I want to just give like the listeners a little context, because and also a shout out to you about just how cool you are. Because not only is your work amazing, but I just it was you know tagged you on Instagram and was officially, unofficially, you know, in a very like casual manner, invited you onto the podcast, and you you said yes, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. This woman is amazing. So I just want a quick shout out to you for just, you know, trusting that and going with that.
1: (laughs) I like Instagram. It's weird. It's such a weird place.
0: It is such a weird place, isn't it? It's it's very much like an illusion, but it was such a cool experience. um, And I think it was fun for people to follow along like that. You were like, yeah, sure. Okay, fine. I'll come in your pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And last night I was I, I prepare in my own mind, you know, for when an interview is coming up and it just set intentions. And so that way it's all kind of set in stone before um, I actually get down to talk to the person. But last night I was literally, I couldn't get myself to like, just chill and like, you know, to study the questions. And in my mind, literally, I kept thinking, you know what, I feel like I am going to talk to the Beyonce of emotional intelligence. <laughs>
1: I love being Beyonce
0: yes and so I want all the listeners to recognize like you are you are the Beyonce of emotional intelligence and it's so cool for me to be able to talk to you so so officially welcome Beyonce of emotional intelligence
1: (laughs) thank you so much
0: if you ever need a hype woman you call me
1: All right. You'd be an awesome hype woman.
0: (laughs) All jokes aside, your work is incredible. Truly. Thank you. And um, I came across your book, uh, Language of Emotions. And it was one of those experiences where it just you know, came to you. you. know, I think some people may perhaps be looking to learn more about their emotions and find your book, but um, it was one of those experiences where it just came my path. And I'm now trained and familiar with my own intuition. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna trust this and follow this where this goes. When I started to read the book, I was like, wow, wow. This is some good stuff. And then I moved on to wisdom of anxiety and then the art of empathy. And it's all just incredible. So, But the whole time I'm reading this stuff and I'm thinking and I'm having epiphanies and ahas and highlighting it all, I'm wondering where the heck did this all come from? You know, like, how did you make these amazing pieces of literature? Where did it come from?
1: Pain. It came from pain. pain. Yes. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my story wasn't like unicorns and rainbows. Although it's rainbows now, um, everything's rainbows on my covers and in my world. But yeah, um, I experienced uh, an extended period of childhood uh, abuse. Um, luckily, not in my family. It was a it was a neighbor, and so I did have some level of safety, but not really because it just kept happening, and what happened for me was I learned to turn up my capacity to read people and their emotions as a survival skill. And a lot of people who are hyper empathic like I am, um, that's, that's when it happened. So it's sort of a, it was a gift with, um, a gift mm-hmm. with purchase, for, yeah. <laughs> right? But the problem was I was extremely aware of emotion and everything that was going on around me, but I didn't know how I had turned it on so I didn't know how to turn it off and so for me learning about emotions wasn't a sort of a I'd like to learn about emotions because that would be interesting. Um, It was more um, these emotions are coming at me and uh, I'm full of really intense emotions and it was more of a saving my life kind of a thing to understand emotions was was necessary for me to survive and I'm so fortunate that the emotions turned out to be like the most amazing magical realm of anything you could ever imagine, mm-hmm. so in a way, there's a blessing to be given to to trauma that takes you out of the regular world and throws you into a place that looks scary but in fact is just full of jewels
0: yeah, it's incredible um, and so, as a kid, you started to become more hyper aware of people's emotions as survival, and then as you know. In your uh, journey of understanding your emotions, how did you start to do that? Did you, you know, go to school or did you just read books or did you rely on your parents or was it just intuitive for you?
1: It was a very difficult thing to learn because our emotional education tends to be really bad. Mm -hmm. It's not just bad, but like, like the opposite of helpful. And, you know, like what we hear mostly about emotions is you get shamed about them. No, don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't panic. Uh, there's nothing to cry about. Don't get angry with me, young lady. There's no welcome for emotional people. And so for me, learning about emotions meant that I couldn't rely on anybody. Mm. And I, as, as I grew up, I watched how emotions behaved. And that's how I began to create what's now dynamic emotional integration. Like I would watch anger in a horse and a dog and my mom and my dad and you know the neighbors and just figure out before anger shows up what's happening Mm -hmm. and then what's anger trying to do and so i did that with each of the emotions until i could figure out why is it here and and who works with it well and who works with it dreadfully and you know so so that was it It was sort of i was was building a universe uh, by watching Um, how people worked with their emotions and i grew up in uh in the new age spirituality movement and there was a lot of emotion hatred there like Mm. like total emotion hatred they didn't like judgment either Mm -hmm. but emotions were supposedly like these very lower level vibrational whatever Mm -hmm. and of course spirituality was the highest Mm -hmm. and what i noticed in these places where emotions weren't allowed is how much emotional well like catastrophes would happen and no one would know what to do because you couldn't have emotions so people would they were hilarious it'd be like well i'm not angry but i want to say this and then they would just tear into you you know Mm -hmm. or so they would be angry but they had no language for it they had no skills for it so they would just do things to each other you know there would be factions people would get kicked out there was I, you know, when people say, I'm a member of a spiritual community, I'm like, oh, Lord help you. (laughs) (laughs) Lord help you. How do they treat emotions there? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I ended up seeing sort of under the, under the rug and behind the door and in Mm -hmm. the shadow of regular human culture. And so I'm kind of like an outsider and a weirdo, which if you consider the inside, and the normal people, I'm happy to be a weirdo.
0: <laughs> totally. Well, I don't think you're a weirdo. And I think many <laughs> people don't think you're a weirdo. Um, and it, it makes me think of the question, you know, is there a way to blend the worlds where you are emotionally intelligent, you have words for your emotions, you can understand their wisdom, and you can be spiritual, you know, and, you know, you can be this whole person. Is that, can we do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It takes... It takes um, practice and it takes a nice community. So I've got this lovely community uh, in dynamic emotional integration. A number of people have become licensed and we just hang out together and uh, tell each other jokes and share memes and um, share real life with each other. Yeah. And it's been lovely. Um, But a lot of us, we will take our behaviors that we've learned in the DEI community, like saying the real names for emotions. And people will get very upset. Like right what? There. Like, Give us well, anything. if we say, that was awesome anger that you used right there, and <laughs> your shame is working so, you know, and what great panic. And I saw that suicidal urge, and that was awesome. And people are like, go away and shut up. Oh, yeah you shut up I hate you <laughs> I was like well that's good hatred too like stop it just stop leave me alone <laughs> right, right so I've learned you know we even have something called weasel words so that we can talk about emotions and still be emotionally honest with people who can't handle the real names of actual emotions right yeah
0: that is it's so profound and so actual brilliant because, you know, I'm a mom of a three-year-old and most people who listening to this podcast understand that. And it's like, you know, the full spectrum of emotions, you know, happening in like sometimes minutes. Yeah. um But in the, in, in seeing and witnessing a three-year-old, you know, or two-year-old, you know, when they're starting to understand emotional states, like there's no shame. There's no like, well, you know, I, I mean, there's always the caveats of of stuff going on, and and maybe somebody's home. But truthfully, like I can see, I can witness the range of emotions, and it's just very like honest and real. And then you look at adults, and it's just not happening, right?
1: No, no, we've been socialized so far away from emotions that you know a lot of people say, you know, what can we do with kids? How can we help kids? I'm like, kids haven't been socialized; they totally get this. You just give them the words tell them, how, you know, what emotions are for, and they will help you.
0: Yes, right?
1: they will help you because they haven't, their, their brains haven't been ruined by too much emotion shaming. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we did a thing where he asked people to talk about emotion shaming messages, like what emotion, what, what messages have you heard that tell you not to have whatever emotions you're having? And this was on Facebook, mm-hmm. and it was going so fast. It was like, ping, 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 and people are just like putting you know, dozens and dozens of nasty messages about emotions. And so I was like, cool. I wrote them all down. And then the next day I said, now, how many em- emotion welcoming messages have you heard? Mm. And um, it was crickets, actual crickets came on Facebook. <laughs> because I mean, people couldn't even think of a single time that they had had their emotions welcomed.
0: Whoa, that almost made me cry.
1: I know, I know. I mean, little kids you know, they're like little emotional beings. And if we're not careful, we can make them feel unwelcome in the world.
0: Totally. That makes so much sense. What is it about emotions that we fear so much? Like, it seems like it's an, an amazing, beautiful, and if anybody's read your books, you can see that emotions hold so much wisdom. And they're truly a guiding light. What are we fearing about that?
1: What I've realized is emotions contain so much power. And what we're understanding now in 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 the study of emotion is that emotions are underneath everything we do and everything we are. So every thought we have, every belief, every action, every behavior is preceded by an emotion. And so emotions are really the ground of everything we are. They're our inner wisdom, there are our capacity to understand the world, there are our capacity to identify importance and lack of importance. There's sort of like everything. And people are afraid of that power. What I also notice is if someone knows their emotions, you can't manipulate them because mm-hmm. they can see it coming. And so when there's a lot of emotion shaming in any social system, I'm like, who's manipulating who, Yeah, you know, there's a power, uh, there's a power struggle going on here. And if people are connected to their own emotions, they can't be controlled. Mm. And uh, who wants that? I do, but who (laughs) wants that, right? Um, Right. Yeah. No, that's,
0: that's, and I think, wow, that's such an important message to hear right now, you know, especially with just the volume of drama that is happening in our world and what's yeah. coming to light and social media and understanding your emotions and the power that it holds in your own life that's a, that's a very important concept yeah, i've thing.
1: been looking at with the with all of the um the protests in the streets and people are saying you know you need to do your protest nicer or something like that it's like don't be angry yeah. um like really Really, they're saying what's true, right? They're saying what's true with an intensity. And if you can't handle it, you go deal with it. Don't shut them up.
0: Right, right. Right. You
1: need to do some work. Um, But it's just interesting how people think that if there's if there was just a nice way that we could hear about injustice and inequality, <laughs> you know I think that's I mean?
0: absurd. Yeah, right. No, they're angry and they should yeah. be.
1: Yeah. Is there a nice way that we can hear about murders? <laughs> yeah. The police. Is there a sweet way? Can you put candy on that? <laughs> you know, it's like, no. But
0: to your point, that's what it points to in our commu- in our culture, in our mm-hmm. worlds. And you know, it's you know not just in America; it's across the board that we we can't ingest that type of emotional. Uh, expression. Yeah. You know, that we, we, we don't know what to do with it then.
1: Yeah. And and what I've noticed is that people will try to shut down emotions in others that they don't know how to deal with in themselves. Yes. Bingo. And that's a lot of emotions. Right. It's a lot of shutting down.
0: Right. You wrote something. I also have to just add this. At some point I was reading your books and I was like, I can't highlight the whole book. So... <laughs> Even for this interview, I had to be like, "What is the best of the best?" You know, like get get the good stuff. Um, But I wanted to read something to the listeners, and this is from the Language of Emotions. And when I read it, it just jumped off the book, and I wanted to know what does this mean to you. You wrote, "We don't seem to know how to feel deeply and think brilliantly at the same time."
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's there's a very old idea that that emotions and so-called logic are in entirely separate areas of the brain,
0: Mm.
1: right? So you want to get out of your amygdala. It turns out that's not what the amygdala does. And you want to get up to your neocortex. And it turns out, nope, that's not how the brain works, not how life works, that emotions and so-called rationality work together all throughout the brain in a process called cognition. Mm. And if you try to use logic or rationality without emotion you won't be able to attach any meaning to the data you bring in it will just be a lot of blah 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 just a lot of numbers and letters and whatever but it's your emotions that tell you pay attention to that that's important that's not important this is where we want to go so your emotions make sense of data and every every bit of learning you do emotions are involved in math and emotions are involved in map reading emotions are involved in reading and everything that you do and so the idea that they're separate is a very powerful concept and again it comes with a sense of control that you want to take your neocortex and control the heck out of the supposedly lower parts of the brain. But there aren't three parts of the brain. You don't have a lizard brain. The amygdala mm. is not the place where emotions come from. Right. The amygdala is a lovely thing, right? right? If you were an emotion, you would like to visit it. You'd be like, hi, amygdala. <laughs> but then you go elsewhere too. Right. So so this this separation is just another aspect of the separation of people from the contents of their own soul. Wow. Right? Yeah, so it's very easy to think brilliantly and feel at the same time. It's very simple, right. but not if you've been trained otherwise. To think that they're entirely different and separate um, processes.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. I mean, and and that's the human. That's the humanness of us. You know, mm-hmm. like if we were just these little robots walking along, then yeah, we would just take in information, take it in, <laughs> take it in. But we're we're thinking and feeling, you know, beings. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it it makes me think about something else that you wrote, and I'm hoping you can help guide us through this. How are emotions direct healing forces?
1: Each one in its own way has a very specific area of influence that it works on. So in my work, I have people work directly with their emotions by understanding what they do. So for instance, anger is about setting boundaries. So if your anger comes up, some boundary has been crossed. Something somewhere is not right. And the work of anger is to help give you the strength you need to identify what's important to you and reset that boundary with vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. You got the strength to be vulnerable. And if you set the boundary and someone comes at you again and breaks another boundary, well, you've got that strength so you can always, you can always come at them. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So you can always come back at them. Mm-hmm. But to try first with vulnerability. And what I find when people work with their anger well is they can create these beautiful loving relationships. And you wouldn't think that if you saw the way most people work with anger. Right. Um, most people will take that, that strength that anger brings up or that power and they'll just look for a weapon. Mm. right? They'll think that strength or power means power over and not power with, or the power to be vulnerable. So you can heal relationships beautifully with anger. Um, Sadness is a gorgeous emotion that arises when it's time to let go of something that isn't working anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just not working. And if you avoid your sadness, which most people do, you'll end up filled with a life that's someone else's. Yeah, that didn't work. You know, it's like all these old, trashy things, which might have been beautiful at one point. But if you can just work with your sadness and start looking around and saying what isn't working anymore, you can get to your authentic life really quickly. Right. Help of sadness. But if you don't, you may end up, you know, 20 miles away from your actual home of your soul.
0: Right give us like a real example, like something in your own life or maybe somebody you've worked with where like you saw or you experienced, you know, the wisdom of anger moving through you or that person or sadness. And, you know, I think sometimes people conceptually understand, but then it's like the realness of it, you know, Give what does that look like?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I also understand emotions work together. They They don't just come up one at a time, they work Together, And um, I just had a situation where I was writing my n- newest book. It's about um, emotions in the workplace. Okay. And yay. It, yay. Another <laughs> book. Um, but, you know, this is during the pandemic when many workplaces were showing themselves very obviously to be in not caring places, right? they did not protect their workers and some of them still aren't. So I'm writing this book, you know, and I kept coming up against pretty severe depression and just stop doing this. And I don't want to write this book. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate the workplace. I hate what's happening. What can I write? I don't, you know, it was that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and generally with that kind of thing, you would, might, you might say, okay, it's time to give up on that book. Like you don't, you don't need to write that book. And, but I sat with it and I thought, you know, what, what is stopping me? And I realized that I was taking too much of other people's information about how the workplace was. And I was kind of cementing, I was reading a lot of books and a lot of research. So I had everybody else's ideas. Right. And I realized I can't write a book based on everybody else's ideas. Why would I do that? I was like, I wouldn't even get my own byline. It would be Carla writes about 15 (laughs) people. (laughs) And so I realized that this depression was holding me back. One of the things depression does is it stops you when you shouldn't be going forward because Mm -hmm. something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I sat with that and I said, what was wrong? And I then looked at a lot, you know, I had stacks of books and research and I looked at it and I began just putting it aside and getting rid of it using my sadness no I'm not going to do this I'm not going to do that I'm not going to do that and my anger was there the whole time helping me realize what do I value and what is my voice and what is you know what are my boundaries about this and what do I want to say in a book that I wrote (laughs) not other people wrote right and so all of my emotions kind of came together to help me um, stop going down a path where I was gonna end up 20 it might have been a nice book twenty miles away from the book that I had meant to write. Right? right. But it was my emotions that came in and said, no. Right. Yeah. Um
0: and is this an experience you're having in in a journal, in a communication with somebody, like a trusted friend, in your own mind, in meditation? Like how are you how are you actually deciphering all of this information coming to you?
1: Well, some of it is talking with friends, and I've got a practice called conscious complaining with a partner. Okay. And um, so I've got friends who are good with, and my husband, who are good with emotions and they, they won't, oh, you don't need to feel, um, you know, they won't stop you. And so I was able to talk to them and, and just pretty much quit the book a whole bunch of times. I'm done. I'm done with this book. <laughs> I've had it. And then like good for you (laughs) and then the next day i was like okay now i can write this book but i just kept going with the emotions and instead of trying to you know smooth it over um and make everything look graceful because art isn't graceful life isn't graceful and you got to go into the intensity of it and then i would just sort of realize what emotion i was feeling and then i would ask the questions of that emotion and you know, each one has its own question um, so that you can lean into what the emotion is trying to do instead of the question most people have for their emotions is why do I have that emotion? Why doesn't that emotion shut up? Yeah. (laughs) I'm ashamed of that emotion. That's not the questions that we ask. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was mostly just working with my emotions individually and as a group and seeing that, that, I was in a very difficult place because it was appropriate for me to be in a very difficult place. The work, the workplace, is a disaster. It's like a humanitarian catastrophe right now. Right. Yeah.
0: It really is. No. Thank you for sharing that story. And um, I think a lot of people will, will resonate with hearing you talk about depression as something not as this scary. You know. There's this scary um, narrative that runs in our world about depression, and here you are saying, you know, it was what was guiding me, protecting me almost, of going down the wrong path. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit more about how you think and feel about depression?
1: Now this is what I call situational depression, and that means that it's depression that relates to a situation that you can or may be able to change. This is different from major depression or bipolar depression, things that require some support, uh, you know, from a doctor or a counselor. And the, what I understand depression to be, I call it the ingenious stop sign of the soul because it will come up when things are not working well either in your health or your relationships or your job or your world like there's a lot going on right now that is in and of itself very depressing Mm -hmm. and so understanding that it is natural to be depressed when things are not working and when there's a lot of uncertainty helps people not have a i think a lot of people judge their emotions harshly And then instead of just having the emotion, now they've got a pile up of emotions about an emotion. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to just have the emotion and try not to to junk it up with a lot of um, uh, shaming, uh, unkind messages. So with depression, the question is, where has my energy gone and why was it sent away? And notice that those questions have nothing to do with your value as a person. Right. Right. And for a lot of people, they go into depression and then they begin attacking themselves. Right. Right. And so this would be, there's a, there's a purpose here for this emotion. And what it's telling you is something is wrong, it's going to pull your energy away. So you cannot go forward doing the wrong thing with the wrong intention for the wrong reason. Right. Yeah. And most people don't like to hear no. They don't like to hear, you can't do that. You need to stop. You need to rest. You need to think again. I certainly didn't want to hear it when I was on a deadline for a book.
0: Mm -hmm. Right? Mm
1: -hmm. I did not want to hear that. But luckily, I was able to keep listening to it. And my depression had a really good point. You know, my depression was like, why are you doing, you're writing this, why are you focusing so much on what other people are saying? You know, they got their book deal. (laughs) You right. need to have your book deal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Thank you for giving this, you know, additional context. I think it's it's such a good ex- uh, perspective. You know, it's very refreshing to hear somebody talk about depression in a way that's useful. You know, it is an emotion you're experiencing, and this is situational, and, and um, you know, there is wisdom behind it. So thank mm-hmm. you for giving us, you know, a real experience from your own life. And I can't wait to check out this book because you know, in the workplace, there is just, you know, it lacks the, it lacks emotional intelligence, you know, and, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They decided to kick the emotions out of the workplace. That didn't work. That did not work. It's become an extremely inhumane place, especially here in the United States. The workplace has become just such an abusive Mm. thing. And that was part of the reason why I fell into the depression, because the research I saw was like, I mean, the workplace is killing people just from, just from uh, just the sheer misery of being there. It's not sort of like, you know, accidents with boats falling on you. It is going to work every day in a miserable emotional environment. It's like knocking people out and killing them. Yeah. So that's where I was dealing, you know, I went into the underworld to write this book. And I thought, do, 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 workplace book. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you had to see and feel it all first, right? Yeah. 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 Um,
0: well, I know it will change a lot of people's lives. And and do you feel like we're maybe in a place where we're going to revolutionize work and what it now looks like for us? I feel like the pandemic oh, please has-
1: please let it be so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah let it be so that you know the work i think one of the things about stopping like this or being forced to be stopped the pandemic is almost depression right it's like you can't go out you can't go out and we were able after fighting it a a bit to look around and say wow we were on this train to nowhere right why was why were we in so many meetings yeah why did we wear pants (laughs)
0: Why did we do that? Yeah.
1: What are pants about? <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. No, yeah. it's it's very true. And and um I wanted to hold some space for you to give some advice, you know, and share your thoughts and around what we're experiencing right now. It's a very hard time for a lot of people and emotions are running wild. And I think a lot of people are not certain in terms of What am I going to do with them? How am I going to process them? Is it okay to feel these things? You know, you're, you're the Beyonce of emotional intelligence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would say there are, there are six emotions right now that are really, really necessary. And sadly, people have a practice for none of them, I would say, maybe one. But three emotions in the fear family which are fear anxiety and panic we need all three emotions and I'll tell you why but there are also three emotions in the sadness family sadness depression and grief we need all three of those right now too Um, fear is your awareness of the present moment and we need to be very aware of the present moment especially if we're out and about you know Uh, we need to know where our masks are where can we clean our hands um, you know how far people are away from us anxiety helps us prepare for the future and to arrive in the future um, um, ready to go so anxiety is necessary too because if you're going to go out I don't know do you remember going out early on in the pandemic and you just did not have your skills you had no skills you're like I didn't die. (laughs) There were so many things that I needed to learn. And so now you've got it down, right? Right. Your anxiety has learned that. Panic is a third emotion in that family that most people avoid like the plague, but panic is the emotion that saves your life when you're in danger and we are in danger. We're in danger. Uh, I think I saw it's almost 170,000 people have died in the United States and we are, we are not on this. We do not have this as, right. a, as a country. We don't have it. So panic is necessary because we are in danger.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: panic gives us the option to fight, flee, or freeze. Mm-hmm. So all three emotions are necessary. And I did a little free video on uh, Facebook for how to work with each one. I have another video on sadness, grief, and depression. Sadness is the emotion that helps you let go of things that aren't working anymore. Right grief is a different emotion that comes up when you didn't have a choice something Mm -hmm. is gone or it has died it is a much more powerful emotion and depression stops us when we're going in a direction that isn't going to do any do us any good or something's wrong and right now something is wrong Mm -hmm. right now depression is necessary right now sadness about letting go of your idea of who you were your job um, um, your idea about what was important Uh, you know it's all it's all on the table now and then grief is important there's so much death around us there's so much loss there's financial loss every time i go downtown and i don't live in a very big town there's another store that's gone Know. there's another restaurant that's gone and I don't see people having grief rituals mm-hmm. right people are still kind of in shock and um, we've set up a grief ritual online for next month and we'll see we'll see how that goes But I feel like everybody needs a grief ritual yes so that we can mark all of the losses that we've had
0: acknowledge and like hold space for these emotions yeah. Yeah, What is going, I, I know people will join from this podcast, what will be included in this grief ritual? What does it look like?
1: Well, it's two weeks where we're kind of walking into the ritual and learning about the five elements of good ritual and emotions and how to set up a grief ritual. And then there's a weekend grief ritual starting Friday night in the person's time zone and then going through to Sunday afternoon. And mm-hmm. So we'll grieve and mourn together and create grief shrines and and just learn about grief and have it be okay to be grieving and to feel loss whereas a lot of people are like buck up pal you know tomorrow's another day Um, right right? and just to feel it and to deepen into um i think with grieving you can mature right people who don't grieve or don't know how to grieve they sort of don't they don't grow up Mm mm-hmm and move into the world of adults who deal with loss and pain. Right. Yeah.
0: It's incredible. And I I, I think I'm going to join because, you know, <laughs> I, I think it sounds like such a good, and and nobody, like to your point, and nobody is holding the space for us to do that unless, you know, you're maybe looking for it. It's not something that's common that we're going to do. Um, so thank you. Thank you for doing that and, and leading that. And thank hopefully you. people will be inspired by that. How, when you were talking about all that, I I brought up a question for me and I'm sure people are wondering the same thing. Like, how do we integrate all this, right? How do we, how do we acknowledge and pay attention to six really powerful emotions, right? (laughs) Fear, anxiety, panic, sadness, depression, grief, you know, just saying those, everybody's like, ah, don't say another one, you know?
1: (laughs) Don't add yeah yeah, right and
0: people are probably angry
1: um
0: but how do we still live like an integrated life where we haven't Mm -hmm. just totally lost ourselves in in one or many of these emotions
1: what i'm seeing right now especially in people who are who are kind of spinning out is that these emotions are all up for them and they are doing everything they can to run from them so the people who have fallen into conspiracy theories on the left and the right there's a lot of conspiracy theories to choose from yeah um and seeing what happens to people when they don't work with their emotions is is very very painful but for instance people who are able to manage um, even during the pandemic still wear masks handle themselves you know, continue to love and care for people, uh, no matter where they come from or how they vote. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. These are people who are working with their emotions. They may not have like language for it, but they are working well with their emotions. And I would say any of the ills of humanity, it's not the emotions causing it. It's people who don't know how to work with their emotions. So, when people can work with their emotions, which means just making a space for them, learning their language, learning vocabulary, and learning the very simple questions to ask, then they can begin to flow through life, regardless of how many emotions are present. And instead of saying, oh my word, seven emotions, is like hell, <laughs> and say, seven emotions, welcome. <laughs> this is yes. awesome. I want more. What else do we got? <laughs> you got um, because each emotion brings a gift right and something I say is emotions don't create the problems emotions are not the problems they come to help us deal with the problems and so if we got seven emotions up there's seven tools that we have that were called forth by a problem that required seven tools it's brilliant we love emotions Love yes. them.
0: yeah I mean You could just keep talking, right? Like you don't even need any more questions. No, but it's brilliant. It's it's freaking brilliant, and I, I, your work is so important, especially right now. And that's it's truly why I reached out because the minute I picked up your book, the minute I started reading it, it was like, if this could be mandatory reading across the or you know across the world, it would change. It would change everything.
1: I wish I had had it when I was little. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I wish someone could have explained emotions to me. Right, would have saved twenty years of, of just despair, you know, and horror. Yeah,
0: yeah, and maybe I don't know if maybe it was a healing experience for you to write some of these books.
1: Yeah. Even the workplace book eventually <laughs> became a healing experience. It was the first book that was just really grueling to write. Right. I usually love to write. It's right. Like, you playing, but no, this one was awful. <laughs> I <laughs> hope it isn't awful to read. I was like, don't tell anybody I said that.
0: <laughs> no, you know what? It's it's honest and it's telling you something, right? That emotion of like just dreading, you know, yeah. or, or or going through something that wasn't how it was before, you know, just taught you something and, I have no doubt that the book would be fascinating and amazing Yay. and it will really, you know, open people's eyes into like what is there or not there in, in terms of emotions in the workplace. Um, I, I wanted to ask you this too, because uh, when I was reading the books, I was wondering this too, but what does a perfect world look like for you? Well,
1: I'm, I'm tempted to say that this is the perfect world for where humans are right now yeah. in regard to their emotional capacities. I would like it a lot better if people knew how to work with their emotions and we didn't have. I was looking at all the problems of humanity, racism, inequality, injustice, um, white supremacy, mm-hmm. um, capitalism. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and And I realized that each of these things was built up as a way to help people not feel, right? They're all responses, bad responses, you know, or backward responses to emotional pain. Mm. that People don't have a clue about how to work with. And uh, especially the emotion of hatred. If people could learn how to work with the emotion of hatred, oh my word, that could change everything. It yeah. could change everything. But, well, tell us
0: a little bit about, there's a lot of hate in the world, and it's... There's a lot. Right? And I and the internet...
1: Uh, yeah. So tell internet us that makes it worse. It
0: does. It does. The internet brings a lot of great things, so, you know, it, it brings this. Yeah. But yeah. tell us about hatred. Tell us what in the world are we going to learn from it, and what, in a perfect world, what would you want people to be learning from hatred?
1: Now, hatred is a sign of the complete loss of a person's boundaries. They have been stripped by the presence of something that is so different from them or so um, unacceptable to them that they lose their shit. (laughs) They lose it. And if people had the capacity to work with hatred, they would realize that this is a moment when absolutely magnificent evolution can happen right? If you're in the presence of something you completely don't accept or completely don't understand, and you can move into that, you can, you can evolve a million years in an afternoon with well-managed hatred. And the work for hatred is called Shadow Work. And mm-hmm. it was created by um, Carl Jung. Yeah. And I have something called a, a shadow walk that I teach, where I help people access their hatred and the more most interesting thing about hatred is um it is very similar to infatuation which isn't love it's where you're just idealizing someone you know like you know like sick fan behavior where the fan will then kill the person (laughs) you know like right like selena's fan i was like oh that was infatuation right (laughs) Um, but it's where you lose your sense of self. And if you don't have any skills, you're going to try to attack the difference, right? To shut it up and to stop the, the, the shaking in your psyche yeah. that is in the presence of difference, right? But if you could do shadow work and learn how to welcome the difference, you can grow as a person in such amazing ways. People who know how to do shadow work, they're so peaceful to be around. Right they're just so cool and uh, I think that's what that's what we need to teach that would be first let's teach everybody how to work with a shadow yes and when hatred comes up don't look for a weapon look for the truth inside you that's missing right like, yeah I've been noticing this with them um, uh, Trump that a lot of people on the left are throwing a tremendous amount of hatred at him um, and these are people on the left who are all supposed to be such, you know, cool mm-hmm. liberal flower children. Mm-hmm. And I see constant effigies of him, constant um, dehumanization of him, constant of the hatred. And it's been fascinating to see um, what he holds. He holds so much. He's such a projection he's like a projectile weapon or something he's people on the left are projecting like crazy onto him and people on the right are projecting like crazy onto him Mm -hmm. and i have concerns for him as just an individual
0: i have thought very similar thoughts i think he's
1: like the 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 little boy in the fairy tale who wanted all the power and then he got it and he realized it's a complete nightmare yes yeah i just i look at with him with a great deal of um like sorrow and empathy. I, do I wish someone loved him. I wish yes. someone even cared about him. Nobody's caring about him. He's like floundering and falling apart, and people are just keeping on with the projection. And um, it's, I don't it's like to watch it.
0: Same. I was, Those are literally the words that are about to come out of my mouth. It's so hard to watch. And it's, um, nobody's saying anything like that that you're saying. And it's, it's, it seems very clear to me too that it's, it's painful that this is a very,
1: He's like a, he plays up a lot, but he's a very um, vulnerable dude. He's very vulnerable. And he um, constantly, his emotions are constantly riling him up. And he doesn't know how to work with, I don't think he, I've watched him. I don't think he knows how to work with any of them. I was going to ask you that question. Yeah, I just, I haven't seen one that he knows how to work with. <laughs> and what a sad thing that he's just become this, this projection item for Mm -hmm. everyone yeah and i think looking at him is a fool's game because we've got to look at the whole system that allowed him to arise and that allowed him to be victimized by everyone yes Um, that's a weird way to look at it i know a lot of people think he has all the power uh look at how he's reacting look at how his emotions are reacting he's not feeling powerful
0: at all at all at all I so much understand what you're saying. And it's it's actually pretty fascinating to hear you talk about it. Um, and just the other day, I was telling my husband that it's, you know, as people are paying attention to the drama, the theatrics, you know, and, and then the stories around the theatrics that are happening. Um, I was just telling him that like, I think people are losing sight of like what you just said that, you know, what's happening is behind the theater, you know, it's behind the curtain, it's underneath the rug to your point of all the other areas you've been looking under. Same in the politics, you know, and same in the government and, and how we're running our, our our world, our country. Yeah. Um, and it, it's pretty fascinating to take a real big step back and evaluate from, from your vantage point, you know, of emotional awareness and emotional intelligence. So I, I would encourage people to just pull back for a moment and and see if you can begin to see what's going on
1: yeah you know when i do shadow workshops a lot of times people will say well what about if i hate someone like hitler you know they always want to make a case for hatred Mm. right what about people what about child molesters and i'm like yeah nobody likes child molesters or hitler except everybody in germany (laughs) um uh, during the period that hitler was the bee's knees right um to ask what is it about Hitler or child molesters that you hate? What is it that pulls it up? And and Do- Donald Trump does a lot to to engage people's projection. He he plays a game with it where he'll just behave in a just a wild, out-of-control way. And um, and so I'll watch and I'll and I'll lean toward hatred with him. You know, I'll just lean and I'll be like, what is it about him that is pulling my hatred. What is so different for me? And one of the things is that he's not skilled and he's not prepared and he hasn't he hasn't researched and he hasn't done his reading. And still, he's the president. And I never. I would like to have that. I would like. I would like to have a situation where. Now, of course, I'm kidding because I wouldn't feel comfortable. But I would love to have a situation where I got all the power without doing any of the work. Correct. Um, I would like to be able to fail and fail and fail and fail in every business i've ever had and all of my marriages and still be seen as you know the greatest thing ever by some people i would love to be able to fail my way to the top right who wouldn't right? right so i'm just sort of like by by talking about what is specific about me and donald trump i can humanize him and myself and not be a weapon pointed at him like i can't nobody can use my hatred against anybody
0: exactly and it goes back to your point of saying how powerful it is to understand your emotions i mean in that situation you literally were saying this is what i own about my emotions i am going to say what it is for me taking it back home rather than projecting it back onto him And in that case, you can humanize him, you can humanize yourself, and it takes you to a place that, you know, you can move through your emotions. Now you're not in control. You know, somebody's not controlling you with the hatred story or whatever it might be. Yeah, and
1: I can still not like what he's doing and not believe in what he's doing and be very concerned and, you know, do all kinds of political work in the background. It's not sort of like, I've done my shadow work and therefore, it's all good. Um, But to not wish death on someone right right to not wish violence on someone to not um put up funny funny uh dehumanizing pictures of him right um as if he's not even a human being right um that does da- that does violence to me and to him and to everyone who would see it and i know i'm just like one voice in the wilderness saying this <laughs> uh, because it, have you seen facebook and instagram lately it's, it's right hard. um yeah there's just so much hatred that that people don't realize they're just throwing away they're throwing away their emotions they're throwing away their energy and their ethics and they're not helping right it's not helping make political change right no
0: right no. i agree and it's um you know you can be aware and dislike you know something that somebody's doing and then push for change push for you know yeah. take action and yeah Yeah, it was really well said. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about happiness. Um, When I read, you know, the chapter on happiness, it was just I had a lot of epiphanies, a lot of like moments of being like, "Oh yeah." Um, But I wanted to hold some space for you to tell us a little bit about happiness and, you know, where we've been kind of led astray and and maybe what's a better perspective on happiness?
1: The poor, poor emotions in the happiness family. (laughs) Um, I separate emotions into four families to make them easier to sort of digest at first. The fear family, which we talked about, the sadness family, the anger family, and the happiness family. And I have, I work with 17 emotions But the four families make it easier. And the three emotions in the happiness family are happiness, which helps you look around and toward the future with like delight and amusement. It's a lovely emotion. Contentment, which helps you look toward yourself and feel proud of what you've done, hopefully. And joy, which is a very expansive, just completely open, um, blissful, sort of a peak emotion um, that you feel, not very often, it's a very special emotion, but these three emotions are the only ones that are considered positive. Um, So only one quarter of the emotion families, only 25% are considered positive All the rest are considered negative. Everything in anger, sadness, and fear is considered negative. But if you count up the emotions, there's only three out of 17 that are considered positive. I think that's 17.6% of emotions are considered positive. And the problem with that is when people think of a positive emotion, they think it is something that they want. They want it, and they want to have it as much as possible. And when they think of a negative emotion, they think, "I, I don't want that. So, they end up not having any skills in 14 out of 17 emotions, and then basically being in an abusive relationship with the other three, where they try to force happiness, contentment, and joy onto everything. And if I were to personify happiness, I would say, Happiness would be like, again, I was <laughs> resting. Come on. It's okay, whatever. I'm going to go be happy. Um, but Each emotion has a very specific purpose. And it is sort of called forth when it is necessary for it to be there. And there are many situations where happiness is not really appropriate, right? Like, for instance, um, uh, a funeral. You know, like I feel carefree. It's lovely here. You right. know, like it's time right. to grieve and mourn. Right. It's time to cry. It's time to be sad and 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 grief filled. Um, but what happens with happiness is people want to have it instead of the other emotions, and so they try to run to it uh, as as much as they possibly can. And the problem with this is it creates um, a very um, a very arid emotional environment, so people feel that any other emotions besides happiness, the happiness family, are a sign of like a character flaw. Right. And so, like, there's a word unhappy, which means, I mean, to me, that word is wonderful because it means everything. Um, everything that isn't happiness is unhappy. Right. <laughs> they don't have unangry. <laughs> you know, they don't have unsad or unfear. They well, they have unafraid. Okay, um, but it's generally unafraid, meaning I don't have any fear. Like, and that's a good thing because who would want fear? Um, everybody wants fear. That's who. Um, but what's interesting about all of these three emotions in the happiness family is that people don't understand the negative effects that these emotions can have because they're they're trumpeted as the best darn emotions ever. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of research on people who are um, unreasonably um, optimistic. And someone who's too optimistic, which means they run too much happiness too much of the time, tends not to be realistic. So... A person who's unreasonably optimistic would think i'm gonna run a 26 mile marathon in six months even though i've you know they would have that kind of i can do it yeah (laughs) and you know they'll get injured because their anger didn't say what are your values and you set a boundary about that their fear would say excuse me what (laughs) and their anxiety would say i need more than six months pal right Right. they wouldn't have the other emotions telling them what's true. And so they would trapse in tra-la-la-la, and, um, and they could do themselves some real damage. But people don't talk about that in terms of happiness. And I love no. that statement, unreasonably um, um, optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, another, it's another word for ignorant, <laughs> you know. Um, contentment, everybody wants to feel more contentment. They want to feel good about themselves. But too much contentment, Um, you would think maybe that would be good. Like you want too much contentment. But what it turns into is um, um, uh, sort of a self-aggrandizement and even bullying. Hmm. Uh, Bullies, you know, it was once thought that bullies have low self-esteem. And generally, they have a high self-esteem, but it's not based on anything valuable. So their contentment is too high. And again, it's unreasonably high contentment. Mm-hmm. And then joy, which is that extreme um, bliss state emotion, um, it's also mania. It's the mania part of, of bipolar um Depression, and you can see that joy, um, this boundaryless state that's not afraid of anything, that is not thinking about the future. It's like I can have sex with these ten people, and I can spend this much money, and I can go to Vegas, and I can do whatever I want, um, and I can eat whatever I want. Right? There's no, there's no tomorrow. There's only this limitless now, and. So joy can be, in the Tao Te Ching, they call joy the most dangerous emotion because of the way people behave in relation to it. And I have a practice for joy called rejuvenation, where I help people bring joy toward them and do it by staying in their body and, you know, keeping, keeping cool. But to say joy belongs to you, it's in your body. You don't have to go to Vegas. You don't have to have sex with 10 people or spend all your money, joy lives in your body. It's So if you're running after joy, or happiness, or contentment, I'm like, where are you going? These are, these are interior states, friend. Yeah. Um, but if you're cut off from 14 out of 17 emotions, even though you overuse and abuse the three happinesses, you probably don't know where they are or how to work with them, right? Yep. You're going to be ignorant. If you're, if you only have 17.6% of your emotions available to you. Yeah. Badly.
0: (laughs) Right. And and I think we see a lot of it, you know, unfortunately in the world. And I think also what is so not cool is that, you know, people are marketing to people trying to catch them, you know, onto this happy train to nowhere essentially. And um, so again, it comes back to that. That, you know, understanding your emotions is so powerful that nobody can hook you, you know, if you understand what's happening within your own emotional states.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking, um, I, I grew up in a cult, but it was a part of my new age journey. And then I became a cult researcher. And one of the ways that cults can grab people and keep them is called love bombing. And it's keeping them in a manufactured joy for a long time so they don't sleep and they can't eat and they kind of lose their, 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 their moorings, you know, in the regular world. And they have this extreme peak experience. There might be sex involved or fasting or chanting. And the, this, this manufactured joy can actually um, um, entrap people in cults so it's like well there's there you go there's some negative stuff from supposedly positive emotions yeah I mean, wow yeah. yeah so if people don't know what they're doing with their emotions they can have their emotions turned against them yeah. uh, you know even the so-called positive ones right
0: absolutely it's so fascinating and i think human beings are so fascinating Aren't they? yeah they truly are Thank you so much for giving me your time. And I, I just enjoyed this conversation so much. I really, truly really, you. You know, appreciate you being here. Is there anything else you want to share with Inner Guidance Daily family or just out into the world? Anything you've been thinking of that you really are hoping people know right now?
1: I would say trust your emotions. It can be difficult at first to to do that because we have so many emotion shaming messages all around us all the time. But emotions are not the problem. They come to help you deal with the problem. And so as our friend, the poet Rumi, wrote more than 800 years ago about emotions, open the door laughing and invite Mm -hmm. them in, for they have been sent as a guide from beyond.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. I think that's a beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much for being here, Carla. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Thank you. It was lovely to talk about our friends, the emotions. Yes,
0: thank you. Thank you guys so much for joining this conversation. Thank you for taking the time out of your life, out of your day to tune into this very episode. I know in my heart of hearts that this is going to help so many people and that Carla is an important person for you to know during this time and really maybe for the rest of your life. So I wanted to share with you how you can continue the conversation with her. So you can go directly to her websites and you can connect with her through embracing anxiety how to access the genius of this vital emotion. This is a book. You can also join the dynamic emotional integration. There's a workbook, a community. You can even, if you feel very called, become a facilitator of this. There's also the book, The Art of Empathy, a complete guide to the life's most essential skills. And then my favorite, The Language of Emotions, what your feelings are trying to tell you. I also wanted to share with you guys that she has holding a grief ritual starting on September 5th. It's a few weeks process and it's also going to teach you about this emotion, how to then hold rituals for yourself and how to hold a grief ritual. We are all experiencing grief, which is different from sadness. And grief means that you've lost something that you had no control over. So there's a lot of that happening right now. It's an important thing for us to honor. And then once you understand the ability to honor your grief, I encourage you to pass it along to your friends, to your family, to anybody you think needs this information as well. I hope that this conversation has served you. Stay connected to Carla and stay connected to me. I'll see you in the next episode. so much for tuning into this episode and for subscribing to Inner Guidance Daily. If you haven't already subscribed, what are you waiting for? Do it! And if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, I would love it if you could leave a review. It helps to reach more people and it helps to shape the podcast. I look at every single review and I listen to all the feedback. If you feel like this podcast is beneficial to you... I would love it if you would pass it along to anybody else that you think would benefit from this information. One last thing. If you're on Instagram, please let me know. Follow me at innerrebel.co. Tag me when you listen to this episode or to this podcast. Let me know what you think. I'm so grateful to know you. I'm so grateful to be serving this community. Thank you so much for tuning into Inner Guidance Daily, and I'll see you on the next episode.